0: Hello and welcome to the Hearts Handle Sports Podcast. This is episode number 51. My name is Ismael San Juan. Thank you so much for being here. Nadal and Djokovic play an instant classic. Djokovic takes down Nadal 3 1 in Roland Garros. Crazy, incredible stuff. Also, the Euros start. I'll give my prediction on who I think is going to make it to the final and who I think is going to win. Italy beats Turkey 3 0. In the opening match also utah goes up 2-0 on the clippers are they done or are they gonna come back like they did in the first round bucks squeak out a victory over the nets in game three julio jones gets traded to the titans and aaron Rodgers is missing from mandatory otas all of that on this episode of the hard to handle sports podcast let's get started Nadal versus Djokovic, Djokovic versus Nadal, two of the goats, two of the big three going at it at the semifinal of the French Open, playing in clay, Nadal's court, Um, everyone thought that Nadal was going to win, people did give Djokovic a chance just because he came in hot, we know he's an exceptional tennis player, but we also know the brilliance of Nadal when he plays in clay, he is the clay king. But nonetheless Djokovic gets revenge for last year's final beating Nadal 3-1, taking the last taking three sets in a row after Nadal takes the first one. Incredible incredible stuff. If you guys missed that game, you guys completely missed out on one of the most epic matches of all time. Uh Andy Murray was saying, there were so many people that were watching the game, that were commenting on it. It was just incredible. The, the Euros were starting at the same time. I had both both games on at the same time. I had N- Nadal versus Djokovic on my main screen. I had Italy versus Turkey in my second screen. And man, this Nadal, this Nadal game was just incredible. This Djokovic game was just incredible. There were so many good rallies. There were so many good moments. It was just incredible, incredible hits by both players. Uh, you really get to see the level of these players, how much better they are than their competition. Uh, having watched the opening semifinal right before, um, Sevrev versus Tisipas. I'm a, I'm completely butchering their names, but they they played five sets. It was an entertaining game. But like I've seen others comment after this game, it looks like like kids playing when you compare it to Djokovic and Nadal. And the brilliance and just the spectacle that comes with these two greats, these two mammoths of the sport playing, it was it was four hours long, um, a little bit over four hours, and I thoroughly enjoyed all four hours of it. I was glued to the TV. Um, I I want I wanted another set. I wanted Nadal to pull it out in the fourth, just so we could see a fifth set of this brilliance game. One of the moments of this match that didn't really involve tennis was uh they're playing in France and right now because of covid they have a 11 p.m. um curfew and the third set which was the most epic set uh it went to a tie break Djokovic ended up winning that tie break 7-4 after that third set i believe the local time in France was approaching 11 it was like around 10:45 um like 10 almost like 10 minutes till the curfew and uh, it, all the commentators from NBC were talking about how it was this place was gonna erupt. They were gonna probably be booze and stuff because um, they were gonna give them the notice that they had to leave the arena, the stadium, and make them make their way home because of the curfew. But after the third set, there was an announcement that said that the fans could stay, and that was even as a fan just watching from my own room, from my own apartment, it felt great. Just Knowing that the fans were gonna be allowed to stay there because the ambiance was amazing, like the 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 atmosphere in the in the stadium was just crazy. There was uh, after either Nadal or Djokovic made a good play, made a good hit, made a good serve, um, they were chanting Novak, uh, Novak, no or Djokovic, Djok, and Nadal, Nadal. It was just the atmosphere is crazy. It's great to see fans back in these stadiums no matter what sport it is soccer football basketball tennis golf anything it's just it's it's a pleasure to see fans back in these stadiums having fun enjoying the sport whichever sport it may be and Djokovic versus Nadal it was just an amazing display if we were to dig into the game right now I think uh the first set even though Djokovic lost I think it was crucial for him the way he fought back Um, nadal took the first five games he opened up a 5-0 lead and at that point if you were on twitter if you were just you know watching the game texting your friends it just looked like it was a regular nadal masterclass. in clay you were getting flashbacks of last year final you you were thinking damn nadal is just gonna wreck djokovic again this might be a 3-0 sweep like last year in the finals and djokovic dug deep and won the next 3 games making it 5-3 and then Nadal was able to uh, finish finish the set 6-3 but once Djokovic took those 3 games after Nadal started 5-0 you knew he came to play his demeanor completely changed to the announcers were even commenting on it they were saying um when he was when he was down 5-0 like oh I want to see a little bit more emotion from Djokovic where's where's his emotion where why is he not celebrating uh, after like these nice hits, after these nice rallies that he's getting points on. And it just looked like Nadal was going to stay on top, but then Djokovic fought back. He got three games in, ended up losing 6-3, but then just completely dominated the second set, winning 6-3 himself. The third set was more even. Uh, Djokovic took a 5-3 lead on the games, I believe. And the announcers, foolishly, were already making like running the stats they were like damn Djokovic is about to be the first tennis player to take a 2-1 uh, set lead against Nadal in the French Open since uh, I don't I don't remember his name but they were getting ahead of themselves and then one of the other announcers was like well hold up this is not over yet I know it's 5-3 but don't ever c- count up out Nadal and sure enough Nadal vintage Nadal digging deep never giving up never uh, forfeiting a set never giving up on a set Comes back from 5-3 and takes a 6-3. 6-5, I mean, down 5-3. Takes a 6-3 game lead. Wins three in a row. And now Djokovic is against the ropes. It looks like Nadal is going to, you know, take control of this match. He's going to uh, take the 2-1 set lead and just completely, you know, demoralize Djokovic. If, he t- if, if he's able to pull off this third set comeback. But Djokovic... Obviously, he's one of the GOATs. He's one of the greats uh, after losing three games in a row. He himself digs deep and ties it up 6-6. Six, six. We go to a tie break, and Nadal kind of struggles out of the opening gate, I believe. Uh, he had two error um, serves, just gives up the first point to Djokovic. And after that, Djokovic just kind of um, was emphatic, was methodical, and wins the tie break 7-4. After that the whole um the whole um, curfew thing happened. I was like well um they were kinda um mentioning how earlier in the French open it kinda took fans a while to get them out of there. And uh I think this happened to Djokovic before, like two rounds earlier and I guess the opponent Djokovic was kinda had momentum because the fans took a while took a while to exit the arena. Um, said player lost momentum and it took like 30 40 minutes for them to resume play i think that was one of the main reasons why they just allowed the fans to stay they didn't want that to happen to either djokovic or nadal whoever had the momentum and it was djokovic djokovic i believe did have the momentum it would have hurt him if they would have taken a long pause but fortunately for him fortunately for us as fans they allowed the fans to stay there but nonetheless Nadal the fighter that he is took a 2-0 lead in set number 4 and it just looked like we were we were in for a five set match. Uh, it looked like Nadal was going to you know dig deep and win the fourth set to force a a fifth set. But then Djokovic just completely uh, took over. Winning six, six sets in a row, I believe, if I remember correctly. Winning six sets in a row. Winning 6-2. Beating Nadal in clay for the second time. The clay king has fallen. Uh, it's a crazy day if you think about it. Uh, all these numbers that came, that Nadal came in before this match. 105 out of 107 matches. He has won. Now it's 105 out of 108. Still crazy numbers. But now Djokovic has the chance to get to his 19th Grand Slam Victory, he should be the heavy favorite against uh the Greek uh Tisisipas. Uh, pause. I'm completely butchering his name, I apologize for that. But he should be the favorite, he should get to 19th, and he should be the favorite for the Wimbledon and the U.S. Open, is what I'm hearing. So, Djokovic, if everything goes well to finish 2021, he could finish uh just sweeping, he could finish with 20. 1921 grand slam victories if he's able to pull off these next three tournaments let's not get ahead of ourselves the final is on sunday um 6 a.m where i'm at but it should be a good game it should be a good match uh i do have Djokovic winning i I just think Djokovic, nadal all these tennis players they're just they're just the level above everyone else still at their ripe age of 34. If you guys didn't see the match, I suggest you guys try to catch some highlights, the elongated highlights if they're out there. Try to watch that because there were so many good moments. For Nadal, he didn't play his best game. There were so many unforced errors that he had. It's just uncharacteristic of Nadal, especially in clay. Um, I, I believe in the third set, he had over 20 um, unforced error, which was just uncharacteristic of nadal i couldn't believe what i was seeing there was a lot of points that he left out there there was a lot of points where he had djokovic on one side and he the complete wide open court on the other to just finish off the the game and get the point and he just completely missed it for some reason it was not the best game for nadal um it looked like he was kind of lingering um towards the end i don't know if his ankle is bothering we'll have to see uh how uh, that plays out but overall amazing amazing match uh this is what tennis is about two giants going at it uh when the big three retires i'm gonna be uh it's gonna be devastating hopefully there's a young talent that could step it up and obviously i don't think there's ever gonna be another big three there's never gonna there's probably never gonna be another tennis generation like this if we're ever able to get just one player that could reach the level of these players it would be just enormous but even then I feel like these we don't really appreciate as much these uh, the accomplishments that they're doing if, if uh, obviously they push each other they push all three of them push each other Federer, Djokovic, and Nadal but if if let's say one of them wasn't there and it was just two people pushing each other they would have more titles themselves but they're dividing it amongst three so even if we get one person just comes after these and gets, let's say, 15, 16 Grand Slam titles, but it's just them dominating, uh, I think that that still won't give it justice how good these people are. Anyways, I'm rambling. Just enjoy Nadal. Enjoy uh, Djokovic. They're getting towards the end of their careers. I, I still think they'll be elite for uh, three, four, five more years. Hopefully, maybe more than that. Federer, he's approaching 40, so we'll see how long he has. But just... After watching these two play today, an amazing match. It's, it's bittersweet because it was an amazing match. You love to see it. But it's also a reminder that we don't have too many of these left. So enjoy them. And shout out to Djokovic. Uh, to defeat Nadal in Calais is one of the great hardest accomplishments to um, to have in all of sports, not just tennis. So shout out to him. And now he has a chance to get to 19 and get one away from Nadal and Federer. But... Let me know what you guys think. Did you guys enjoy this match? Did you guys watch it? If you guys didn't, you know, like I said, try to catch it somewhere because it was amazing. But moving along um, to the Euros, Uh, the Euro 2020 started today. I'll touch on that game in a little bit. Italy beat Turkey 3-0. But first, I want to give my predictions for Euro 2020. Um, There's obviously a lot of strong candidates for this there's a lot of good teams in europe i'm talking belgium i'm talking italy i'm talking france portugal obviously uh germany snow slouch uh there's a lot of good teams that could compete for the title this year and uh uh, if you pick any of these teams i don't think uh, anyone could really fault you for picking these teams uh but personally myself i think it's going to be France and Portugal in the final. I know they're in the same group. So either one of them is going to finish first and second. And they're going to be put in different uh, sides of the bracket. But I just think uh, France, they're the world champions. Portugal, they're the defending European champions. And I just think they have the best squads in in all of uh, Europe. Uh, Belgium, they have, they've been dark horses for... The last, like, eight years, this is their golden generation. I think they're going to be strong candidates to make it all the way to the final and possibly win it. But if you look at the French squad, you have probably the weakest part of their team is Yoris because he has some mistakes sometimes. But he plays good when, when he plays for the national team. I think he'll be solid for them. Varan, you have uh, Korsuma. He's all right. But you have Pogba, Conte, just manning the middle. Griezmann at the top with Kylian Mbappe, uh, Benzema, you just have so much talent. I think the midfield is really going to shine for France, Pogba, and Kante. Kante being the best midfielder in the world right now. Uh, Benzema just at the ripe age at 34, he's still an amazing forward. Kylian Mbappe is just a world-class player. How do you stop uh, Mbappe, Uh, Benzema, Giroud is amazing with France. Uh, Griezmann, he's good with France too. He t- he he steps it up even though he didn't have all that best of season with Barcelona. And, uh, yeah, they're back forward. Varane manning the middle. It's just France France could put two squads and the second squad could still be like a top four, top six favorite. They're just so deep. Uh, I see France uh, following up their great performance by winning the World Cup, following their World Cup performance by making it to the final. And then I look at the Portugal squad, and obviously they have their talisman, Cristiano Ronaldo, leading that team. <clears throat> but they're, they have amazing talent at all three levels of the field. They have Ruben Diaz to man that back four. He's the best center back in the Premier League, probably the best center back in the world. Uh, he's an amazing player. Bruno Fernandes, another amazing season in the Premier League. Uh, he had over 20 goals. Uh, a lot of assists. You then you have Jao Felix at the top to go along with Cristiano Ronaldo. You have players like Jota who can get hot, who, who could score goals in bunches too. Uh, you have uh, Silva, who's a genius with the ball, who could find uh, their forwards, who could pick people out. Um, the squad is just nice. It's the the weakness for Portugal is probably the, the center back that's going to be accompanying Ruben Diaz. Is it going to be Pepe? Uh, would they try to put maybe Nelson Semedo next to him? Uh Was it Fonte? I think they're gonna just put Pepe or Fonte, and then uh, Joao Cancelo. He's a good right back, good left back. Semedo too. Um, they, they just this this Portugal team is deep too. The midfield they have Renato Sanchez, Moutinho the the old man with the white hairs, uh, Bruno Fernandes, Ruben Neves from the Wolves, William Carvajo They're they're deep. Portugal is deep. They can score goals in bunches. They have their talisman, Cristiano Ronaldo. Andre Silva had a great season in the Bundesliga scoring goals in bunches. Bernardo Silva, the genius with the ball. Um, Joe Felix, one of the most exciting young players in the world. And Diego Jota, who had an injury-filled season with Liverpool, but when when he did play, he looked very dangerous. And he's had some good performances for Portugal. This is why I have Portugal and France um as my finals they are in the same group so they'll definitely be familiar with each other uh they're in the death group so germany's there too um we'll see how it plays out i do have both of them i have france and portugal either finishing first or second and then they'll go in different sides of the bracket and eventually meet in the final that's my prediction what do you guys think about my prediction uh obviously i don't think i'm saying anything crazy uh, I'm not I'm not picking any of the dark horses. Um, I know some people had Turkey as a dark horse, or maybe Italy. Italy's a good dark horse. They've won like nine straight matches. They haven't conceded goals. Italy looks look solid. Who do you guys have winning the Euros? I'm just excited that it's finally here after a year of delayment because of COVID. Um, it's still called Euro 2020, but now in 2021, we finally get to enjoy uh, these European nations going at it. It's one of the it's the best uh, of these tournaments, of these regional tournaments, uh, of these national team um, regional tournaments. It's better than the Copa America, in my opinion. It's definitely better than the Gold Cup. It's better than the African... Uh, I forgot the, what that one's called. And It's better than the, the Asian one, too. The, the Euros is on another level. Uh, I hope you guys are excited to watch it. I'm, I'm very excited to, to see how these Euros play out. But my prediction is a French and Portugal final And I do have Portugal repeating as European champions. Let me know down below. Let me know. um, Tweet at me. Who do you guys have making it to the final? Who do you guys have uh, winning the whole thing? One one more time. I have Portugal repeating as European champions. And yeah, that's that. To open up the Euro 2020, Italy played against Turkey. Uh, They're part of Group A. And in that group, there's also Wells in Switzerland. Uh, the game was good. Italy thoroughly dominated. Uh, Turkey never really looked dangerous. They were happy to just sit back and try to get Italy on the counterattack. Um, they were happy. They were definitely happy to go into halftime 0-0. It looked like there were... Uh, you could tell in the first half that they were overmatched. That Italy looked like the dominant team. They had all the possession. They were the most dangerous team. It looked like Turkey was just very happy to go into halftime 0-0. Zero zero. If you would have told them at halftime, hey, uh, let's take the 0-0 zero zero on the first match in Italy, I think uh, everyone in Turkey, um, everyone part of the Turkey team would have taken that, would have told you that was a great result. But Italy turned it up in the second half, and they finished with the 3-0 victory. Uh, unfortunate for Turkey, the, the first goal was an own goal, um, but... That just goes to show what happens if you if you're persistent, if you you know continue attacking. Italy was getting to the touchline, um, dangerous cross. The defender um, Miral, he was in a bad position. There's nothing really he could do. It's not really his fault. Like he was, there's just really nothing he could do. The ball came in with a lot of pace, and he was just in a bad spot. And after that, Italy looked dangerous. Italy made most of their possession. They were pressing uh, Turkey very high immobile with the goal in the 66th minute and then insignia at the 79th minute to wrap it up uh kind of a mistake by the goalkeeper trying to play out um italy was pressing the goalkeeper tried to you know lob the ball to his left back it didn't work out uh easy like four touches and then insignia has the ball one-on-one he's not gonna miss italy just overall is the solid display by italy um they look solid at the back. They scored three goals. They, they handled Turkey. Turkey was one of those teams that some people were considering as a dark horse. And Italy handily take a, take a, take care of Turkey with the 3-0 victory. Italy, I was considering Italy for, for a deep run. Italy does have, they have a great goalkeeper. They have a good defense. Um, they, their forwards could score. Um, their midfield, it looked very solid they control the game today and that was without Verratti. Verratti should is expected to come back uh I believe um in the group stages. Like his injury it shouldn't it shouldn't linger all the way to the group stage um to the knockout rounds. He should be coming during the group stages, I believe. So they will have Verratti at some point. Bonucci Cellini look solid. They're old they're older center backs, but they were solid in the back. Um, I think Italy should come comfortably uh, get that first spot in group A they are the best team in this in this group i don't think uh i don't think turkey or wales or switzerland um really have a chance of overtaking italy for the top spot in group A and overall it was just a solid performance by italy um i didn't think they were going to win 3-0 at halftime it kind of looked like they were just uh, i didn't think they were going to win i just didn't think it was going to be 3-0 i think turkey was looking they weren't looking dangerous but they were looking um very surprisingly solid at the back um italy didn't really have too many clear chances I, if i remember correctly they had a a header from bonucci that the goalkeeper stopped and other than that um they didn't really create too many chances in the first half but they completely took care of it in the second half 3-0 by italy if, if you telling if you were to tell me that italy is your dark horse to make it all the way to the finals or to uh even win it, I have nothing against that. They are the what five time World Cup winners. Italy as a nation is a soccer nation. You can never count out Italy. They're very organized. Uh, they know how to play football. They know how to uh, make the most of their players. The system is good. I like I like what I saw from Italy. Um, this nothing that I saw from Italy is deterring me from from put, putting them down on the rankings or or um like I said. They're one of the top candidates as a dark horse to win this whole thing. And and today showed it. They have quality. Their players, uh, it looks like they love the jersey. They love playing for Italy. And uh, I'm very excited to see if they're able to go deep into these Euros. These Euros is going to be amazing. I'm so excited to see these Euros. So many good teams. So many good players. Um, but yeah, let me know. what. Do you, how far do you guys have Italy going? Personally, I have them uh, in the quarterfinals, I believe. Uh, if, but if they make the semis i would not be surprised uh strong showing by italy in the first game turkey uh this is a very uh devastating result 3-0 now they're th- down three in the goal differential um do they have enough to uh get that second spot um competing against Wales and switzerland i think they still do i think they still um this is not like a this is not like kill their chances they, they have a solid team they have a solid defense they didn't really concede too many goals leading up to the euros so they're just going to solidify that defense uh three goals was not expected today against turkey but hopefully for them they bounce back and uh, they don't allow this first game to uh demoralize them i uh, i do like some of their players from turkey so hopefully you know they don't have their head down low but yeah, let me know what you guys thought of the opening game of, of the Euros. It was funny before the kickoff. They had a little car bring out the soccer ball to the ref. I thought that was cool. I don't know if that's a promotion by Volkswagen or if that was, you know, because of the pandemic and trying to um, be socially distanced. But overall, the atmosphere looked good. An- another uh, instance where I'm just happy to see fans back in the in the stadiums and Italy. They look solid they look like the real deal they're one of the the favorites for like you know being a dark horse and they showed it today why they're considered by most the the strongest dark horse of this year's euros but moving along to the nba utah take care of the clippers at home take a 2-0 lead on the clippers heading back to la are the clippers done We've seen this movie before in these year's playoffs. But it feels a little different. I mean, for the Clippers' sake, being down 2-0 to Utah is a little bit better than being down 2-0 against the Mavs. Because against the Mavs, they lost two games at home and looked more dire. Like, you had to go to Dallas being down 2-0. At least at this point, the Clippers are down 2-0 or 0-2. But now they're going back to L.A. They're going home they get to sleep in their own beds. Um, so that's if you want to look at it in a positive lining, that's the positive side. They lost two away games, so it's not the end of the world. Just take care of, just take care of business at home and you should be, you know, even up the series 2-2 two, two, and that's that's what most people expect after four games. That's like a solid result. But the negative side is that Donovan Mitchell looks like the best player in this series. Uh, he he was amazing in the first half. I believe he finished with twenty eight points in the first half. They held him to nine points in the second half. They went to a zone. They uh, Lou um, Tyron Lou did make some adjustments. So shout out to him. But still, with that being said, Donovan Mitchell does look like the best player in this series. So the Clippers have to dig deep. They have to find either Kawhi or PG and put just. They need to, you know establish themselves again as one of the best perimeter defenders um everyone calls them you know the best combination of perimeter defenders in the league because they could score they could defend we've heard this a lot when they join forces and now two back-to-back series we have luca going off on them we have donovan mitchell going off on them we got to see them establish their defensive prowess or else the clippers are going home and the, like I said, the West is wide open. The Suns look good. The Nuggets have the MVP. We'll see how they bounce back tonight. But the Clippers have the two biggest stars left in the West side of the NBA, in the Western Conference. So to be down 2-0 against Utah, Utah that's uh, that's a little upsetting. If you're a Clippers fan, um, Rudy Gobert, he won the Defensive Player of the Year for the third time in his career. He had some great plays last last um, last night. Um he he definitely deters the clippers from attacking uh the paint he he's he's a giant down there he's the eiffel tower uh he had a great game just getting boards getting blocks um but for the clippers i think quai needs to take over I, i've said this before against the mavs he just needs to take over i don't know how his body's ha- um handling the playoffs he's not getting as many minutes as pg pg basically plays like 44 minutes regularly And Kawhi just plays like 37, 38. I I know it it might be difficult for him to go the distance, but they're going to need more from him because being down 2-0 is not not a pretty thing. The Clippers did make a comeback. Um, They were down like 10 points at halftime. They took the lead in the third quarter just to give it right back. The Clippers, I think they just have this weird tendency of when they're down, they make comebacks. They might even take like a one- or two-point lead, three-point lead. Um, but they can never really sustain. They make s- sick ass comebacks where you're like, damn, there you go, Clippers. Uh, like, good for you guys for making this comeback, for taking control of the game. And then they just let it slip away for some for some reason. It's frustrating because you see you see how this is PG's and Ka- Kawhi's team, and then they take the lead, and it feels like they lose the lead because these other role players just take. Too many shots. Like, uh, don't get me wrong. It's like if you're doing a lot of ball movement and the shots are there, go ahead and take it. Like, like Morris, if you're open, take it. Luke Kennard, Weberly, if you're open, take it. Um, But it just seems like sometimes they lose, they lose these momentums or they lose these runs that they're going on, and it just feels like, damn, we lost that lead, and neither Kawhi or PG took a shot during that run or during this like. Negative eight zero run that that just happened. Like Utah just went on a nine zero run, and that whole time our two biggest stars were on the court and none of them took a shot. Like why is that happening? So I just find that frustrating. Like if I was a Clipper fan, if I was a Clip, um, I would be frustrated like seeing that happen. Like, like stop the run, stop the run. Like all right, yeah, they scored four in a row. They scored five in a row. Give the ball to Kawhi. Like let him like stop that run. Give get us a bucket or give the ball to PG. And get us a bucket to stop this run and it just seems like they panic they just i don't know I, it sometimes seems like i i want to give morris props he 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 doesn't shy away from the moment he's always ready to shoot um for good or for bad sometimes he does hit those threes and you're like damn morris is a beast like look at that shot that he took he, it doesn't matter if there's a guy in front of him he's taking that shot but sometimes it's like all right buddy you should have passed the ball all i know is that being down 2-0 to the to the Jazz, to the Utah Jazz is not the same as being down to the Mavs because Utah is deep. Bogdanovich, he could he could shoot. He was defending great against Kawhi. Ingles is gonna find his shot. Uh, Clarkson had a good game. Yeah, he, he, he had like a, a spurt in the third quarter. He was just going off. Um it's not just Donovan Mitchell, like it was just uh like it just was Luca. He he has help. Mike Conley's not even playing, so he's going to come back. He might not play uh, today, tonight, or on Saturday, whenever they play again. He might not play Game 3, but if they go Game 4 or Game 5, he should be back for that. So Utah, they're already up 2-0, and they still got Mike Conley coming back. This is not looking so good for the Clippers. Uh, like I said, the silver lining is that they are going back to L.A., and Tyron Lue made an adjustment in the second half of game two that did seem to help slow down Donovan Mitchell. So we'll see if he goes back to that zone to start off game one, I mean, game three um, in LA. And uh, we'll see if uh, PG is able to turn it on. Uh, he did have 27 points, I believe, but just on terrible shooting. He had another rough day uh, making shots. Kwai like i said he needs to be more aggressive he needs he needs to be the best player on the court for these clippers to win and the clippers just i feel like they just need to control momentum better they let momentum get away from them too easily they let other teams go on runs too easily and there needs to be someone or somebody that steps up and says hey like i'm a, i'm going to clog this this run that they're going on like there's no way they're going to just keep going on these runs but it does look dire for the Clippers, not going to lie. Utah's playing some of the best basketball in the playoffs. Um, they shoot threes like crazy. They're the first team in NBA history to score 10 plus threes in all their games in the regular season. That's a crazy stat. Um, they can shoot the lights out of anybody. Conley should be coming back. He, he's a great uh, facilitator. Uh, he could control the tempo. He's great in the playoffs. It's looking dire for the Clippers. Game three is definitely a must-win game by the Clippers in LA. If they lose Game three, this this series is over. Um, but what do you guys think? Are the are the Clippers done? Uh, personally I don't think they're done, but they do need to win Game three. Game three is a must-win game. Let me know down below or tweet at me at hard to handle sports underscore or uh, on Instagram hard to handle sports. Let me know what you guys think. Are the Clippers done? Are the is, is the Utah Jazz is the uh, Utah Jazz going to advance to the Western Conference Finals? Let me know. The Bucks win game 3. They prevent the sweep. They squeak out a victory against the Nets 86 to 83. Milwaukee came out hot. They took a 30-11 lead in the first quarter. I think the biggest lead was a 21 point lead. And then they surrendered it in the second half. I mean, in the second quarter, the Nets win the second quarter, 31-15. Uh, the Bugs were barely holding on to a 45-42 to 42 lead going into half. It just looked like, man, after the hot start that the Bugs had, the fans were going crazy. Uh, the atmosphere was great in the arena. It, it just felt like, damn, like, are they just going to th- trade blowouts? Are the Bugs going to blow them out at home? Like, you kind of got this feeling like, whoa, like these Bucks, like they came ready, but then the Nets made it a game. And he, honestly, the first thought that I had in my mind was like, damn, these Bucks just blew it. Like they had a 21 point lead, they're down 2 0 against the Nets at home. It, like they must be thinking, like, what do we have to do to win a game? Like we were up 21 in the first quarter, and we're going into halftime just up three but it was a very sloppy game throughout the whole the whole game was just sloppy there was a lot of turnovers both teams weren't shooting well to finish the game 86-83 in today's nba that's really catered to scoring points the way the refs call fouls the way like you know the quick the pace of today's nba um it's just crazy for a game to start to end 86-83 that's the lowest scoring that's the lowest um, score by a winning team in this year's playoffs, 86 points. Um, but it doesn't matter for the Bucks; They're just content of getting on the board. Oh, um, the series is now 1-2, and they have another game uh, in Milwaukee. Can they win game four and tie the series 2-2? I believe they can. Will they? That's a whole different thing. The the Bucks have been shooting miserably from, three point, from the three-point line. If any of their role players could start making shots, they will have a shot in game 4. I don't think they're going to be able to hold the Nets to 83 again. Uh, KD struggled through three quarters and then he kind of took over at the end of the third and the fourth. Kyrie struggled throughout. Um and Giannis just keeps keeps being frustrating, keeps being annoying in my opinion. Uh 33 points, 14 rebounds, 2 assists, but just abysmal from the free throw line again. It's just they called the 10 second violation on him. That's just it's irritating as a neutral. It's irritating as a as an Antetokounmpo fan. Uh, it, it must be excruciating if you're a Milwaukee Bucks uh, fan. Obviously, he's your best player, but if you're down 0-2 in the series, I just, ah, uh, I would be screaming at the TV if, if this guy just keeps missing free throw after free throw after free throw, um, and you're down 0-2. But Thankfully for them, they, they got the victory. Chris Middleton had his best game of the playoffs, thirty five points. Uh, he scored the eight of the last ten points for the Bucks to squeak out the victory. But other than that, like Middleton and Antetokounmpo were basically the whole offense. Thirty five and thirty three. The next highest score was nine, Drew Holiday, and then after that it was four by Bobby Portis. So Middleton and Antetokounmpo basically did all the scoring. Just. Early weird game like it, it wasn't that good to be honest uh but the Bucks did squeak out a victory um it was just crazy that bruce brown got got the shot at the end of the game that that caused a lot of controversy um when you have kd when you have kyrie irving you're down three and bruce bruce brown is the one taking the shot or down two and bruce brown is the one taking the shot or i think they were down one actually because they made the free throws but anyways bruce brown like decided there was eight seconds left and he decided to drive to the rim and he got rejected by um by Brooke Lopez so that was just that was one of the controversies of this game like why why is Bruce Brown taking the last shot for the Nets and then KD couldn't hit the three to tie it at the end. In the end Milwaukee gets the victory and they get on the board but I don't think this they should be, if they're optimistic, they should they should look at their shooting percentages. They should look um, how the Nets aren't one of the best defensive teams. And if if they're if they ever turn it on, if they if their shots start falling, then they could tie up the series going back to the Brooklyn. But there's a lot of be there's a lot more reasons to be pessimistic. Um Durant, he didn't shoot well, Kyrie Irving didn't shoot well, James Harden. still hurt he's not even there um we'll see when he comes back um giannis can't make a free throw to save his life giannis doesn't have a bag he has no reliable move to go to he has no mid-range jumper he has no three-point shot he's attempting way too many threes in the game i believe he had eight attempts last game um he can't post up he doesn't have a post move that he could go to um his handles aren't the best it looks like he always wants to go right when they clog the paint um it's just your when when your best player has that many limitations uh it's rough for you to get out of the second round it's rough for you to uh succeed in the playoffs and chris middleton was the best player on the court yesterday um i don't know how many games chris middleton is going to be the best player from the from the games remaining so drew holiday can't seem to score um he he had a bonehead play to end the first quarter where there was like 10 seconds left and he let he let it run down to like two like four seconds before he made a move and then he lost the dribble. Uh, Drew Holiday has not been the player that the Bucks expected him to be in the playoffs. At least scoring-wise, defense he's he's trying his best out there. Uh, there's a lot more negatives for Milwaukee Bucks. But like John said, a win is a win and they got to win. It doesn't mean doesn't matter if you win by 30. Or if you win by two or one. A win is a win. And they got a win. They keep themselves alive for the moment. We'll see if they show up um, in game four. Because they didn't show up in game one. They didn't show up in game two. And in my opinion, they kind of showed up for game three. And they were able to squeak out the victory. But are we ever going to get a, a full, complete game where we're impressed by the Bucks Or are the Nets just that much better than them? I did have the Bucks winning in seven so you know i'm hoping they go to seven just so i look like a genius but do i expect it to go seven no i think the nets are clearly the best team they'll get hardened back they could just they have way more talent on offense and the Bucks are just struggling offensively for the most part they can't stop they figured out how to stop him for one game but i don't think that's something that they'll be able to consistently do and i'm just kind of starting to give up on giannis uh I mean, I like the guy. He's one of my fa- he was one of my favorite players. He's kind of getting annoying now. I don't know if he's up there anymore. But Giannis, man, like if if you develop your game so much, if you were able to, you know, go from a I believe the 13th overall pick to a two-time MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, like come on, man, just work on your free throws. Like stop shooting so many threes. Get a reliable mid-range jumper. That would make you not even a three-point shot. Like just. Get a reliable mid-range jumper, and you'll be like, you'll be set, you'll be good, man. Like, just get a just get a a move that you could go to, so you don't look like all you could do is just drive and spin and dunk and be long and stuff. That James Harden like clip where he says that he has to actually play basketball, he has to actually have skills, not just uh, like de Kumpo where he could just be athletic and long. Uh, every playoffs that that soundbite just sounds more and more correct but what do you guys think are the bucks done i think they are i don't think they'll be able to win game four i'll be happily surprised if they do because i wanted this to be a great series so if they're able to make this a series and game and win game four i'd be ecstatic but i just don't even if they win game four at the the high i don't think it will go seven i think six but realistically this is going five games the nets will win game four in milwaukee and then they'll wrap it up in brooklyn but what do you guys think let me know who do you guys have winning this series uh and if it's the nets by how much and if it's the Bucks, it's obviously going to be seven they're not going to win four in a row but let me know down below or uh, tweet at me and moving along last topic or last two topics of the day the nfl julio jones gets traded to the titans for a second round pick a fourth round pick and uh and the Falcons get a six-round pick in return, I believe. What does this mean for the Titans? This means they have the best trifecta in the NFL. Julio Jones with Derrick Henry and Brown. That's that's just elite. A.J. Brown on one side. You have Julio Jones on the other. You have Derrick Henry, probably the best running back in the NFL in the backfield. Whew. If you're a Tennessee Titan fan, you should be excited. You should be ecstatic. You should be buying season tickets. This offense is going to be electric. Uh, For Tannehill, the pressure just goes up. Uh, You've been a great Cinderella story from going to Miami Dolphins, being the afterthought of that 2012 draft class where you had Andrew Luck, you had RG3, and then you had yourself. RG3 is basically out of the league. Luck is retired. You're the only quarterback left of those three. And it looked like you were gonna flop with the Miami Dolphins. You come, you come to the Titans, you take the job from Mariota. Uh, you have a great season or a great rest of the half of that season that you took over. You had a great last season. You get the money, you get paid. I think you're getting paid 29 million per year now. Just ridiculous, crazy turnaround of a career. Shout out to Tannehill for doing that. Especially because he was a wide receiver in college, if you didn't, if you don't know that. But now the pressure is on. You got A.J. Brown, you got Julio Jones, you got Derrick Henry. If the Titans' offense isn't lighting up everybody, it's there's one person to blame, and it's Tannehill or the offensive coordinator. And I've heard great things about the offensive coordinator, so Tannehill needs to step it up. I think he will. Uh, he's had two great seasons. The numbers are there to back it up. He's been like one of the best quarterbacks behind uh, Patrick Mahomes this last season and a half. So I do believe in Tannehill, or I want to believe in him, but I would not be surprised if he flops. But I want to wish him the best. I think he will succeed, and the Titans just become—they're uh, either the third or the fifth best team in the AFC now. Uh, It's—it's the—it's the Chiefs at the top. The Bills are still up there. Josh Allen is a great quarterback, um, and and they had a great season. I think they'll continue to be good this season. But after that, uh, you could either put the Ravens, you could put the Browns. And you can put the Titans, the Colts. I have the Titans as the number three best team in the in the AFC after this. They are legitimate AFC contenders. Um, if you have A.J. Brown, if you have Julio Jones, if you have Derrick Henry, what are you going to do? Are you going to double Julio? Are you going to double A.J.? And if you do, now you can't put eight in the box for Derrick Henry. And it's just, it seems like, a disaster you get the play action going you can go deep to aj you could go deep to julio jones if they still had johnny smith that would be crazy that would be a a, a just insane insane offense but i they let him go now they have julio jones to replace him um what do you guys think do you you think this is a good move you guys think julio jones is going to get injured again i believe he, he missed like 11 games last year or he only played, like, seven games. I think he still has um, something left on the tank. I think he, he could still provide a lot for the Titans. When healthy, he's definitely, like, top three wide receivers in the NFL, um, top five minimum. But A.J. Brown and Julio Jones, they're the best one-two punch in the NFL as far as wide receivers go. And their defense, their defense wasn't that great last year, but, you know, hopefully they do better this year. Uh, but... More and more, the NFL is shifting towards an offensive-based league. You need more weapons. You need more wide receivers. You just need to score more points. And now the Titans get a bona fide star at the wide receiver position um, to go along with their other rising superstar of a wide receiver, that A.J. Brown. He's a pro bowler. He's the one that helped recruit uh, Julio Jones, like he said. Let me, let me help you help me help you. And I think uh, he got it done. AJ Brown is a great recruiter. Uh the Titans pulled the trigger and I think that they're gonna be scary. Like if if you're in the AOC South, if you're the Colts, if you're the Jaguars, um, if you're the Texans, like this is scary. Like Julio Jones has at least three three to four good years left, in my opinion. If he's able to stay healthy, I know he's had a lot of injury concerns, but he's he's a specimen. Uh six three, four four forty, build. Just like a Greek goddess. He can still get it done, in my opinion. Um, I'm very excited. Like the Titans now just become one of those teams that's uh must-watch TV. If you're a fan of offense, if you're a fan of wide receivers, you know, making nice catches, um, if you're a fan of running backs running over people, the Titans just become must-watch TV. I'm very excited. What do you guys think? Did the Titans give up too much? Did they give up too little for the Falcons? Uh I think most fans expecting them to get a first, but pundits were saying a second at most. And in the end, it was a second and a fourth. Um, it's crazy that Hopkins and Julio Jones both went for second round picks. Um, Hopkins kind of commented on it in a podcast. I believe he was saying that there's no first rounders that are coming into the league that are better than them. He kind of give uh, Jefferson some props, but I think they're right. There's not too many wide receivers better than Julio Jones and Hopkins still to this day. And, I for one, I was surprised that the market wasn't as hot for Julio Jones. I would have given up I mean, I'm maybe that's why I'm not a GM in the NFL. But if I think I'm close, I would have given up a first for Julio Jones. I, I applaud the Titans for pulling the trigger, for putting their chips in the middle. Like that's that's a that's a ballsy move. Cause imagine if uh, like if the Patriots would have done it, like I'm pretty sure the Patriots could afford a second round pick. Like why why didn't they pull the trigger, man? You put Julio Jones with Hunter Henry, Chanu Smith, whoever you want to put at running back, and uh, whoever is the quarterback. Like that's just Mac Jones will, will be set up for success, or if uh, Cam Newton's gonna have a, a bounce back season, like that's the way to really get it done bringing in julio jones the packers want to you know make amends with aaron Rodgers. we'll touch on aaron Rodgers in a little bit like that was the perfect way to send like hey, here take my second i want julio jones or anybody and man can you imagine if the chiefs had given up a second round pick you put julio jones next to tyreek hill with travis kelsey in the middle like there's just endless possibilities there's a lot of teams that should have given up a second maybe the seahawks i don't know if they even have their second next year but You put Julio Jones next to DK Metcalf, Russell Wilson will be static. He'll be happy. But in the end, it was the Titans who did it. I applaud the Titans for pulling the trigger. I don't think they gave up too much. And in fact, I think it was a fair trade. If anything, I think the Titans won it. I I really rate Julio Jones still very high. I might look like a fool. He might just get injured again. He does have an injury history. He might just consistently play like eight to 10 games the rest of his career and I'll look like a dumbass and the Titans will look like they gave up too much. But I have faith in Hula Jones. Hopefully he can stay healthy. Hopefully he can stay on the field. And now the Titans are legitimate AFC contenders. What do you guys think though? Let me know. And to wrap up this episode, Aaron Rodgers is still missing from mandatory Packers OTAs. Uh, What does this mean for the Packers? It means that they have to speed up the clock on um on love he needs to he needs to step it up he needs to uh show that he got it jordan love he's getting uh the reps in uh their OTAs now he ha- he has to he has to show up he has to uh look good cuz if not then the packers are going to fold this this is a, a game of chicken who's going to who's going to move first is it going to be the packers is it going to be uh, Aaron Rodgers one of them's gonna fold and the other one's gonna win uh, are the Packers gonna fire the GM or whoever uh, Rodgers says he doesn't like or is Rodgers gonna like look at the Packers see the situation analyze it and say damn I really do want to win another chip this team is 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 close we're right there we're, we're almost there the Matt LaFleur has uh, really gotten us close to the Super Bowl maybe i could just suck it up and come back but we'll see like we'll see who folds first and if jordan if jordan love looks good in minicamp um if he if he shows some signs of progress if he shows some flashes then i think that'll give the packers more of an incentive to just stay firm not not give in to roger's request and then we might see we might see uh we might see Rodgers get traded which sounds crazy but um no no hate against Jordan Love uh I think he could be a great quarterback someday um he was like like everyone was saying before the draft that he was a project quarterback and he was the third string quarterback last year sometimes he didn't even suit up I believe so I don't think he's going to be ready for the limelight this year even though they want him to be ready even though the best case scenario for the Packers and maybe even for Aaron Rodgers is that Jordan Love shows signs of promise Jordan Love shows signs that he's ready and then the Packers are just willing to let go of Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love gets to you know start his reign as the Packers starting quarterback that would be the perfect scenario probably for both parties but I just don't think Jordan Love is at that level yet or is ready so I think uh the most realistic option, in my opinion, is that the Packers are the team that folds. Aaron Rodgers stays away, and the Packers somehow fold, and they're able to get Aaron Rodgers to be their starting quarterback for week one. He is the reigning MVP. He still has lots of years left, in my opinion. We're seeing what Brady um, what Brady has done at the age of 43. I think Rodgers could play till he's 40, 41. He still has a great arm. MVP this late into his career is amazing. So I think the Packers will be foolish. If anything, they should trade Jordan Love just to make um, Aaron Rodgers happier. Even though he said that's not the issue. The issue has been with the front office. But we'll see how this plays out. It's just murky. Is is ah, it, It's something we got to keep an eye out on for this the rest of this offseason. It's, it's not going to go away until something happens. But in my heart of hearts, I do think Aaron Rodgers will be the starting quarterback for all the Packers in week one. I just can't really wrap my head around the Packers trading the reigning MVP to another team. That doesn't make sense to me. That that would be crazy. And I don't think Jordan Love is ready. I think he needs to sit down behind Aaron Rodgers for a couple more years before he's ready. But we've seen crazy things happen in the NFL, especially lately. Uh, there seems to be no loyalty uh, from teams to players and the other way around. I don't blame the players. Um, I'm glad for them to be leaving um, for lack of a better term, shitty situations. Like, hey, if you're not happy, uh, uh, just like leave, force, force the trade. Like, I'm all for player movement and player empowerment. Um, for for these GMs, for these teams, players are just a revolving door. Like, long after Aaron Rodgers is retired, the Packers are still gonna be there. They're gonna be dealing with the same issues. Uh, I've heard stories where, like, you know, GMs and and owners they start they start kind of like dehumanizing these players like to them they're not really like humans or like players they're just they have a they have a time period that they're going to be useful for them and then that's all that they really are they, this is a business for them and you're just another part of their cog of the whole big machine so if Aaron Rodgers wants to leave I'm I'm all for it I'm not I'm not upset at him for missing a uh, minicamp or OTAs uh do what you got to do man take care we've like mental health awareness month just passed last month so hey eh, and and we're all for empowerment eh, if you don't like your job you know leave find a better job don't don't stay in a place that doesn't appreciate you don't stay at a place that you don't feel like you're welcome that they're doing everything to make you feel good and Aaron Rodgers the reigning MVP he's one of one like there's not another Aaron Rodgers the Packers can't go out there and get a better quarterback than them so he, I think he has the most power in this situation. Uh, if he's even like flirted with the idea that he might retire before he plays for the Packers again, that'll be extreme. That'll be crazy. But we'll see how this whole situation plays out. Definitely a murky situation over there in Green Bay. I know Packer fans would love to have him back, and the team is kind of trying to put stuff out there to make uh, Aaron Rodgers look like the bad guy. Um, some statement came out where they're saying that uh, the fan base is divided because of this, but. If the fan base is smart, I believe they should side with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I think he's he's for the most part he's carried himself correctly. Uh, I know people question his uh, character sometimes, but I, from what I've seen in the Pat McAfee show, he, he's a real stand-up guy. He's very he sounds very chill, and he, he's very he knows how to articulate himself. So, um, and the Packers they have been known to be like a shitty uh, franchise. Like they're cheap and. If he doesn't like that GM, I think Aaron Rodgers has good reason. But with that being said, what do you guys think is going to happen with the Packers? Do you guys see Aaron Rodgers being the starting quarterback for the Packers? Or is he going to be traded? And is he what team is he going to get traded to? Is he going to retire? There's just so many possibilities. Let me know what you guys think. Um, and that should be it for this episode of the Hard to Handle Sports Podcast episode 51 the Euros just started Uh, there's gonna be great games for a whole month be making videos on that Uh, the NBA playoffs are happening right now Philly and the Hawks are tied at 1-1 I'm gonna check up on that right now Um, also the Suns are up 2-0 on Jokic, the MVP Uh, I'm gonna see that game after this Hawks game probably do an episode this weekend on, on these uh on these nba playoff games uh the french open comes to its conclusion on sunday we gotta start getting ready for wimbledon and uh there's just a lot of sports going on right now <clears throat> so like always thank you for listening to me thank you for being a part of the Heart to handle sports family if you made it this far i appreciate you um and just subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening to this um, and subscribe to the youtube channel appreciate you all so much have a great rest of your day i'm out